Welcome again to the Twins Wrap. Derek Hansen with you along with the television play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, brought to you again by Jefferson Lines. Dick, a nice day off and probably a day off after a long week of baseball that the Twins needed. Yeah, it uh, it, it seems like more like the all-star break than just one day off because of what preceded it. Uh, the 17-inning game really put everybody back on their heels a little bit. Uh, I thought the Twins, frankly, were fortunate to win a couple of games in Kansas City. Uh, you know, it was a 17-inning game one night, then a travel night the next night. And uh, I'll be very curious to see how this team responds to an off day. I think we'll see a much more energy uh, than what we saw before uh, the day off. And, uh, you know, the Twins uh, somehow managed through it all to not to have a, a losing streak. We'll see if they can build a winning streak now. Yeah, Kansas City over that four-game stretch, they, they've they been playing the Twins tough all season long, both at Target Field and down at Kauffman. Yeah, they've got, I think, developing starting pitching that uh, could uh, uh, serve them well here for the next few years. The Twins have uh, found, you know, bought or have found out about that uh, in the uh, games that have been played this year. Uh, Kansas City's biggest weakness, they don't have a deep lineup and they don't have much of a bullpen, and the Twins have kind of exploited that but, uh, yeah, we won't see the Royals for a while, and, and I think that's just fine. The uh, Royals have pitched the Twins tough, and uh, we'll see what happens here uh, uh, leading up to the All-Star break here in the next couple of weeks. Of course, they uh, played uh, Cleveland tough last night, too, only to lose 3-2. Uh, to two. I said earlier this morning, I it's one thing that the Twins are seven and a half games ahead of Cleveland, but and we got a little spoiled getting up to 11 at one point a couple of weeks ago, but if you would have told me when we were sitting at Target Field opening day that, hey, the last week of June, the Twins are seven and a half games ahead of Cleveland, the American League Central, we would have been health, health, pretty happy with that. It's all pretty relative, isn't it? Well, it is, and you have to understand the Twins, uh, I think the perception is that, that they're fading. They're still playing 600 baseball in June. It's not that the Twins are falling back, although they're not playing uh, at the clip they did in May, they're still playing good baseball in the month of June, but the Indians are charging. And and first couple months, you know, the big question for Twins fans was, is this sustainable? And I think the same could be asked for the uh, Indians. You know, they've, you know, done really well here the last three weeks. They won just about every series, I think. And so you have to ask for them, is it sustainable? Uh, This isn't a case where the Twins have you know, lost eight out of 10 and the Indians have crept up. They've just really been playing good baseball. And if they continue to do that, we're going to have a race in the American League Central. There's nothing the Twins can do about that. Yeah, and as long as the, the tough part about having the two wild cards, too, is that Cleveland's going to be in the wild card race. So in the time being, there's no doubt they'll keep on chasing the Twins. They are not going to go away. They're a pesky little club. Well, you know, if you um, underestimate, uh, you know, a Terry Francona club, then you do so at your own peril. I think uh, the Twins expected the Indians to survive the injuries and get things together. Typically, the Indians have been a much better second-half club than first-half club, and that will probably be the case again this year. So we'll see what happens here. It's seven and a half games now. The lead is for the Twins, and if it is that going into the All-Star break, uh, that's fine. If it continues to uh, diminish a little bit, uh, well, then, you know, we're going to have to buckle up for what could be a really fun second half. 
I think it bears repeating, Dick, and we we brought up for the past couple of weeks, and certainly last week when would, you know we didn't know he was going to be on the injured list, but it can't be a coincidence that that ninth guy in the lineup who's really had a nice a lot of pop in his bat being gone for a week with Byron Buxton and this a little bit of a not the power outage I should say is maybe a too strong of a term, but you know what I'm getting at that exploding offense. I don't think that can be a coincidence with, with that Byron Buxton is out and the Twins are searching for runs at key times. Yeah, the hope is that he'll be activated in time for tonight's game. And where I really noticed it, I'm a big Jake Cave guy. I think Jake Cave belongs on a major league roster. But when they called him up, he really struggled. He took over the ninth spot, and he was you know just a spot or two below uh, Miguel Sano, who was striking out a lot. And that really hurt the Twins lineup a lot. You know, the the, the strength of this team was the the depth, the balance it had one through nine. What we saw in Kansas City is if you've got a couple of guys who are struggling, regardless of who their names are, you know, uh, then the lineup isn't as good, you know. So the hope is Byron will get back tonight, and then it's a little bit easier to hide one guy who's struggling, whether that's Sano or somebody else, uh, because you've got, you know, some guys hitting behind him that can get some uh, things generated and some run-scoring innings started. Miguel Sano is not the first power hitter with high risk and high reward, but the uh, right now the reward is not as much as it should be with the, the, compared to his strikeouts. Well, we saw what he can do uh, when he makes contact with the ball. I think the most alarming thing, for me at least, uh, from Sano is he's he's actually done a nice job not chasing pitches. You know, I mean, he. He's always been a guy that with two strikes, you spin the ball up there and it's going to break a foot outside and he's going to get called out on a check swing. Right. He's not doing that. He's missing like, you know, 93 mile per hour fastballs that are inside the strike zone. And I'm not sure what the issue is, but those are pitches that he typically mashes. And so he got a couple big hits uh, in the Kansas City series. And the, the thing with, you know, hitters like Sano, at least it's been my experience. You know, if you're going to get anything out of them at all, they've got to play. And you've got to just live through the rough spots and the high volume of strikeouts because if there's any hope for a hitter like that, it's in running them out there day after day, night after night, and live through the 0 for 4s with three strikeouts in the hopes that through better pitch recognition, better approach at the plate, eventually they'll get things turned around. That is the tough thing is that you can't you know learn to catch up with that ninety three mile an hour fastball if you don't see it from a live arm right <laughs> that is the tough tough thing with not only Rocco Bedelli with managers over the years. Yeah, you've got to get these guys out there, and you know you know for years we've heard about Sano and Buxton. Well, they're two entirely different players. You could probably argue the same thing for Byron that he needs to get out there. And, and get consecutive at bats, and maybe it's true for every hitter. You know, I you just you need to understand that it's a long season, and you're better off taking the longer view of things. You know, we all believe Miguel Sano's better than a 220 hitter or whatever he's hitting. Uh, but you know, let's imagine if he plays every day, what the numbers might look like by the end of September, rather than you know, geez, he's striking out three, four times every game. And you know, missing pitches, he should cream. And uh, you, you just you, you've got to take the longer view of things. I think if you're in charge of putting the lineup together and in getting people in and out of the lineup. 
This is the Twins Wrap. Derek Hansen, along with the television voice of the Minnesota Twins, Dick Bramer, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years, serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest. Part two is coming up right after the CBS and KFGO News, right around 6.15. I'm going to ask Dick about a player that's been missing the past couple of days, and we probably don't really talk about him as far as being a key offseason pickup as much as we should. It's part two of the Twins Wrap with Dick Bramer, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities through the Midwest. Uh, Dick, I, I mentioned this in the tease as we went to part two here, the fact that maybe a guy that we don't talk about enough because he's been such a key part for this team is uh, Jonathan Scope, and he's been missing for the past couple of days, and his offensive power, I think, has maybe been lacking. You know, We talk so much about Byron Buxton uh, as far as him being out, and it can't be a coincidence that they have a little bit of a power outage there, but you know, Jonathan Scope, it certainly doesn't help to have him out of this lineup as well. The Twins won 2-4 of in Kansas City, and they were probably as banged up as they've been at any point this season. With Buxton on the injured list, Marwin Gonzalez on the injured list, Scope was bothered by a little bit of a turned ankle, although we expect to see him back on the lineup tonight. So, yeah, you, you know, you're looking at guys who, you know, have been integral parts of this Twins lineup all year long, and uh, they were pretty much unavailable for the Kansas City series. Now, scoping on the bench allowed Luis Arise to even open up more eyes right. about what type of player he is and what the future holds for him. The Twins have some difficult decisions to make regarding Luis Arise because he, he looks like he belongs in the big leagues, and that isn't to suggest for a moment that he's maybe even going to survive the day here. He may get sent down, but you know we're excited about where the Twins are now, but they've got some prospects down in the minor leagues that are going to make the long-term future for this team very bright as well. Well, it does make it interesting with the ongoing talks, and we got, what, a month left here with the trade deadline, which is a hard trade deadline this year with no waiver wires. And, and so I've always said you're probably not going to hear a lot of notable names, but when it gets down to it, if it really becomes a heck of a race in the American League Central, maybe that is the case where some of the guys we didn't think that would, you know, they've gotten a little cup of coffee here in the major leagues might get sent out, or what do you think? Well, yeah, I think that the targeted area for the um – front office is probably the bullpen you know everybody wants more pitching and it's understandable because you can never have enough of it but but the rotation right now has been among the best in baseball so fans who want madison bumgarner or marcus stroman that's fine they would improve the ball club but who would you take out of the rotation right now and would they whoever it is be of any value in the bullpen and, and you'd be hard-pressed to come up with somebody who, if they were taken out of the rotation, whether it would be Pineda or Gibson, that they would provide what the Twins probably need more than anything else, which is reliable relief help. So I, I think in terms of incoming players, Twins fans should look more at the relievers who are on the market. It's intriguing, I think, that they signed Cody Allen to a minor league deal after he got released by the Angels. You've got an October-tested pitcher who, for whatever reason, got off to a terrible start with the Angels. If the Twins can fix him a little bit, we might see him in the Twins' bullpen sooner rather than later. Trevor Rosenthal was released by the Nationals, another playoff-proven late-inning guy uh, that might find his way in the Twins' organization, too. So it'll be interesting to see what happens, how active the Twins are, 
before the, the July trading deadline. This Cody Allen thing, I think, is interesting because obviously it's not like the Angels were just you know loaded with pitching both in the starting rotation and the bullpen. But you got to think with Derek Felvey's background with the Cleveland Indians, he's feeling like they have something. Maybe Wes Johnson can fix that a little bit. Well, that's part of the the, the hope and the plan. You know, I mean, uh, the Angels ended up eating the balance of Allen's eight million dollar contract. And, you know, he's going to get paid his $8 million. It's just a question of how much of it is paid for by the Twins. If the Twins call him up, say, at the All-Star break, well, then they're getting him for the prorated minimum. Uh, so, you know, it, it's certainly worth a look to see whether Allen's, you know, and they can analyze all this stuff now. You know, if he's, I think he's going to go to Pensacola. And they'll, they'll put all the technology on him, the track man, and, and, and evaluate his spin rate on his fastball and his curveball, and they'll assess where he is in relation to where he was a couple of years ago when he was one of the best closers in the game. And if the if the fundamentals are there, it's going to be a very shrewd pickup for the Twins. Uh, and I would, I'd be surprised, frankly, if he isn't part of the bullpen mix here pretty soon. Yeah, it would be amazing if they could get him and not have to give up anything for him. I mean, talk about what a talk about a diamond in a rough, although he may not even be in the rough. I mean, he was out there. Uh, you, you hear the term low risk. This is no risk. Yeah. They've got nothing to lose. They've got nothing but upside with this guy who, you know, was, you know, as I said, among the best relievers in the game. Now, if, you know, the velocity is down and we, I think we saw that last year that, you know, he was down in the low nineties. Well, then that's a different animal. But I think when we saw him out in uh, Anaheim, when we were out there, uh, I think we had him clocked at 94. Well, that's, that's plenty good with a guy who, you know, has a good breaking ball to go with it. And so we'll see. It's it's just going to be fascinating to watch. The Twins are still in a very enviable position here uh, with a, a lot of depth in the organization beyond the 25-man roster, beyond the 40-man roster. And uh, there are going to be a lot of, uh, you know, really good baseball players flooding the market here before the end of July. My final thing for you, Dick, is, uh, and you and Jack were kind of mentioned over the weekend, the one thing with the day off yesterday, as we mentioned before, I think could help is there were some uh, really things that we weren't seeing all year long defensively. And I think those physical, you know, as far as, far as physical fatigue can make a little bit of mental fatigue too. And I think that's what we saw with some very uncharacteristic errors. Would you agree with that? Hitting is going to come and go. We know that it's going to come and go individually. The lineup will go through some periods of, of struggle. We haven't really seen that this year, but it'll come. But there isn't anything that can really drop a team's morale in the clubhouse and giving games away with poor defense. And we, we did see some of that in, in the last week and a half or so. And yet the Twins found a way to, you know, to win at least half their game. So we'll see if all that gets cleaned up. Again, it was just one off day, but I really think the Twins needed it. And we'll hope they'll come up with a really good effort in this quick series we have here with the Tampa Bay Rays. Should be a good one tonight. Uh, Blake Snell, Cy Young Award winner against Kyle Gibson, who's 7-4 and in the season. Didn't have his greatest outing the last time out, but he always seems to bounce back pretty well. Well, and Blake Snell had one of the worst outings any pitcher could ever have. He lasted one-third of an inning, gave up six earned runs to the Yankees, so he'll look to bounce back tonight. And uh, yeah, it should be fun. I expect we'll have a good crowd on hand at Target Field, a beautiful summer night, so it should be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Enjoy your time out there tonight. Thanks, Jack. Again, that's Dick Bramer with the Twins Wrap, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota in cities through the Midwest. That wraps up Couch Potato Radio. Always fun talking with Dick Bramer on the mighty 790 KFGO.